like the sands through Carpenter's Creek, so are the days of our Pensacola. And now, another episode of City Council Melodrama Theater. I have a complaint, and I hate to be the angry black woman, but after hearing our mayor on Fox Radio News last week, a caller asked... That's us, by the way. Does the council ever think about returning money to its residents? That was a question. Right, Mr. Mayor? Did you answer? I'll let you speak, uh, okay. and I'll speak for me. Okay, if you and, don't mind. but the, I, I don't—I didn't hear your answer on the on the show. But undeniably, I don't think this council has ever ever considered returning money. You seem to be in the business of spending money. That's uh, Mary Williams at uh, just you know a little bit of uh, interesting flavor for the <laughs> you know for the meeting that was really more about the Malcolm Young demolition and uh, but that just kind of gives us a, and plus I don't get to play that intro music very often because the uh, Pensacola City Council meetings typically run pretty smoothly. You also had Jonathan Green, uh, a former mayoral candidate and also an attorney and also one of the uh, key actors in the effort to save Malcolm Young Jim. All power to the people. We're here for the people, right? All power to the people. I am a revolutionary. Say it. Right on. And he reiterated when he got up to the podium to actually talk about the Malcolm Young issue. All power to the people. I am a revolutionary. I am a revolutionary. I am a revolutionary. Right on. Okay. Um, so... I mean, you know, call response of some sort, getting people a little bit worked up trying to. So this issue of the Malcolm Young gym, very interesting. We're actually going to talk to two of the uh, key organizers, not uh, Mr. Green, later on at 8.05, 8.10, something like that. We're going to have Teresa um, uh, Hill is going to be on. It's just, that's the daughter of Ann Hill, the former city councilwoman, and a friend. Uh, I like her a lot. Uh, and then also, uh, very, very, couldn't agree with me less <laughs> on most political issues, um, but honest you know what i mean i like honest people who are sincere and reason and thoughtful and she's certainly all that um and a new friend not yet yet to be made is um uh mr gunter is going to be on as well he is one of the key people in this discussion fred gunter so that's going to be next hour at this time so the conversation that was had um there's a lot to be said here but i'm going to try to summarize the most of it for you the the problem is the Malcolm Young gym has these falling apart main you know beam support beams and there's a company that claims that they can fix those for about $250,000. And that's a claim, okay? That some have made it might be credible, it might not be. But the cost of the rest of the gym repairs and possibly if that's not adequate the cost of repairing those beams and of bringing that gym up to speed, millions of dollars, okay? And the problem is that they think that it might even still not be salvageable, but if it is, maybe only for 15 or 20 years, kind of like a temporary stopgap measure. In that time, potentially it would still be under lease obligations to the Christian school that operates out of there and has been for the last three years. And so even if we fixed it, this is the mayor's argument, even if we fixed it, it would basically go to them for first right. And so we would be fixing it up even so not for public use. Because the argument partially is, I think, a historic preservation argument, but more so it's a access to community services like basketball and, you know, things to help at-risk youth. But it wasn't being used for that anyway before, okay? Instead, it's better to sink that money into, for example, the Cobb Center, which we also have other money coming in, which is also in not great shape, but is more capable of being salvaged. 
and demolish the Malcolm Young gym and then turn it into uh, land for affordable housing, where if the city owns the land, then the housing can be built for less price than the price of the end units that are there would be more in the affordability range. Okay, that's kind of the the mayor's argument for all of this. Charles Baer, meanwhile, who is a former city councilman and now again a city councilman, says... I was proud to serve on council from 12 to 16. However, <clears throat> I do feel badly that I didn't take more of an interest in what the condition of our buildings was uh, in, in the city because I think we could have stemmed some of the issues we have at this point if we weren't too busy building two new neighborhood centers. My name is on both those buildings, and I'm a little bit embarrassed that we allowed other buildings to falter the way they have while we were building new buildings. And I appreciate that he says that because I think he's right. You know, council was not watching. The mayors weren't watching, not the way they should have been, building new stuff. And, you know, as he said, Bayview and Sanders Beach are great facilities, but they're event centers. They're not neighborhood centers. You don't have kids playing basketball in there. And he says, look, we got money for Cobb. We got money for Fricker. We could have pursued money for Malcolm Young, and we didn't. We didn't do a good enough job. And here we are, you know, looking at other things like the, you know, the Motor Lodge or the Gibson School, and these things need a lot of work. And why aren't we willing to put that kind of work into something like Malcolm Young that clearly a large number of people, I mean, the meeting was, I don't know, maybe 50 people showed up to talk about the Malcolm Young property, three former city council members showed up. You had um, Jewel Canada Wynn showed up. You had um, Ann Hill showed up and you had Sherry Meyer showed up. Jewel Canada Wynn was kind of interesting um, because she pointed out that, look, we need housing. That's the thing we need more than anything else. Physical activity and engagement is important for our children. We already know that. But the city of Pensacola has a lot of play. We have over 96 parks, recreation facilities. We have all of that. We have plenty of play. However, we do not have housing. The Malcolm Young property should be used for attainable housing. And that's been the argument that the mayor says is on top of the not real viability of saving the gym and the cost of even trying to do so, we do have this big need for affordable housing, especially in this area. Let's make that work. Now, Jonathan Green says, you're telling me that we, these expensive two-by-fours and all the other costs of inputs that you can put genuine affordable housing on that property? I don't think so. It's going to be more like the um, the school that got the Hallmark School or some of these other ones that are going to be priced out of the local residents anyway, and you're just going to contribute to gentrification. So there's a lot of arguments back and forth on this. We'll come back to what they had to say about it in just a second. Jake's got traffic on the fives. All right. We're looking great around our roadways this morning, not seeing any major accidents or slowdowns reported by FHP. A little bit of slowdown, Highway 98 eastbound getting out of Navarre into Winhaven Beach, but not really bad for this time of morning. Also, Mobile Highway getting by Beulah Elementary. A little slow in both directions from the school zone there, but really no major issues this morning. If you do see anything out there slowing you down, you can always call or text our traffic tip line. That phone number is 437-1620. I'm Jake Walker with your traffic on the fives. Thanks so much, Jake. Back to City Council talking about the Malcolm Young gym. Uh, Jen Brayer uh, had been one who I thought was going to vote to keep it or at least seem to be leaning that way in the past and she says so just to be sure this is an incredibly uncomfortable position for any of us up here no matter what side of this we fall on i myself spent lots of time in Malcolm young my son played his entire basketball league there through his his years he's he's a lot older now and it's it's been downhill for a, a long time and the reality is you say why when Cobb is so close in age and this one's not because there was money put into Cobb 
There was money put into Cobb. There was not money put into Malcolm Young, and we let it continue to go downhill. So the one is still in the savable range, she thinks, and the other is not really in the savable range, she thinks. And she says, look, the basketball games have all moved somewhere else. We're not saving an ongoing public participation space. We'd be saving something where those activities have already transferred elsewhere. You're talking about we don't have basketball leagues. The city runs basketball leagues. I was there Saturday watching basketball games at Vickery. The city does these kinds of things. It's not that we are out of the business of this. We just we moved those Malcolm Young games to Vickery Center. So they're being played, just not there. And so you're not saving the thing that people seem to think that you're saving. She says... Of that gym's use, only about 10% of it is public. And she says, look, it is a shameful thing that we let it fall into disrepair and then let it go out to Lighthouse Christian so that they're the only ones who can really use it. Uh, Jared Moore, who also had been very much on the fence about this deal, maybe leaning to saving it and certainly asking the right questions. It's not a question, is this a hard decision to make? Is it painful or uncomfortable? It's awful. I don't like it at all. Um, I'm glad that the community had the opportunity to come together and have this discussion have this dialogue, say our piece. Uh, But at this point, I don't see another way around it that the building, uh, according to the empirical data, not the the feeling in my gut or the feeling in my heart, but the knowledge in my mind, the data that's on the table, that according to our processes says that the building has to be, you know, it's better off. It's a wise, prudent financial decision to demolish it. And then we we assess our community needs after that. Meaning... The best thing to do with this building is to demolish it. Then we can talk about, do we need to build a resource center, a community activity center? Do we need to build housing on that site, you know, subsidized housing of some sort, right? That's the question he's talking about. Even Allison Patton, who I don't know where she was leaning before, but she kind of had the same take as, look, best use of this money, do I really believe this can be saved? No. And if I really thought this could be saved for $260,000, I would vote differently, but I do not. And that's kind of the point. Casey Jones says, I went personally and visited. What I'm going to say next probably isn't going to make a lot of people happy in here, but unfortunately I, I agree that I think that um, this building is too far gone. Um, I have walked around it. I've stuck my arms through some of those pillars and was kind of worried that it might collapse on my arm um, because it's, it's in such disrepair. The structure of that building is in such disrepair um, I, I do believe the answers that we got from our engineers that it will cost us more t- to to put that building back together um, than even to, to build a new facility that could be much better. So they voted six to one. Charles Bear was the one no vote and they ordered the demolition. Then comes the same citizens with a different avenue, which is to thwart the city council by use of the charter provision that says that you can undo a decision by council if you get 10 people start a petition drive then you've got 60 days and i'm the details i'm I'm working on memory here i think you have 60 days to get 10 percent of the electors of the city in order to say to sign the petition and if that happens then you actually have a ballot vote to change what the city council does by a majority and then they can overrule the city council there's a couple of things you can't do through this process but this is certainly one that you could do through this process And it is their right to pursue this, and they are looking for a temporary restraining order to prevent the demolition that's already been agreed to contracted because if you demolish it, then it doesn't matter whether you vote to keep it because it'll be gone, right? 
And that's what we're going to talk to uh, Teresa Hill and uh, Fred Gunther about next hour is, you know, what they're trying to accomplish and get their view of things, which I kind of already gave you a little bit of their view, but always better to give it to them in their words. Uh, Andrew, what's your view of this? I don't have attachment to that gym. I did not grow up here. I didn't play there. didn't see my kids play there. Um, I don't like any of it, but I know that the city is in a situation where we have lots of things we have built and neglected to maintain. And we are seeing the Mayor Reeves administration have to deal with that long-term neglect by former councils and mayors, which is not like a particular, but just of the pattern. It's more fun to break ground and cut ribbons than it is to pay people to properly maintain existing infrastructure. That's very expensive. And we're seeing the consequences of that kind of across the board. I don't, I'm certainly not an engineer. I'm in no position to assess the structural viability of the Malcolm Young gym, but it makes sense to me if the people closest to the decision, like Jem Brer and Casey Jones and, you know, particularly Jem Brer and uh, Jared Moore, just because I know they were on kind of on the other side at first, if they've been persuaded by looking at the money, where the money sources are and what this, and they think it's better to go for Cobb and other things, then I trust that. And I don't think that the very hefty sentimental attachment to a building and a historic structure justifies spending any cost whatsoever to fix something that is maybe not fixable, unpleasant though that fact may be. Can I feel bad about something being torn down and not being available? Yes. Can I agree with Charles Bear that we ought to have more facilities for at-risk at youth? Yes. Let's do that well. just This doesn't seem to be doing that well. I'm very on the fence on it and, you know, don't feel like I'm super committed to it one way or the other. Uh, other than that's kind of, I see that analysis and that makes sense to me. 723 on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. It's the Pensacola Morning News. And, uh, hey, if you are um, thinking about you know, getting a new home, selling a home, buying a third home, second home, upgrading, downgrading, just want to talk to somebody, Christina Leavenworth is a great resource to talk to about real estate. Just pick her brain. She loves meeting new people. She loves getting your insight on things and, you know, kind of helping you assess where you're at. What could you buy? What could you afford? How is the market going to change over the next three, four, six months, a year? You know, what's your life prospect? I mean, all of that stuff. She's really, really good at helping you figure this out. And I know you might think you don't want to waste her time. Waste her time. It's okay. She loves it. <laughs> and I don't mean because it's a waste because she thinks it's making friends and talking about real estate. And if you're a client, great. And if you're not a client, great. She meets a friend. 723-9158 for Christina Leavenworth and her team at Levin Rinky Realty. Here's today's Strength for Life. What does it mean to be more than conquerors? Romans 8.37 says that in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Notice the word in, in all these things. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, peril, nakedness, and sword. Most of us feel like a conqueror before we get to the time of tribulation, not in those times. Or we feel like a conqueror after we get through a time of distress. Yet the text says in all these things. And the key phrase is through him that loved us. If you know the love of God through Jesus Christ, no circumstance of life can separate you from that love. Therefore, you can walk through this old world with a spiritual swagger and be fully persuaded that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For more Strength for Life, check out our website at strengthforlife.church. 
Hi, I'm Billy Anderson with Anderson Subaru in Pensacola. Your road to adventure starts with the 2024 Subaru Outback and the 2024 Subaru Forester. Both come standard with symmetrical all-wheel drive for confidence along the way. The Subaru Outback, according to Kelly Blue Book, is one of the best family cars of 2023. And according to Auto Trader and my good friend Max here, the Subaru Forester is one of the 2023 best cars for dog lovers. For information on all the awards and accolades from Kelly Blue Book and Auto Trader on the Subaru brand, the Subaru Outback, and the Subaru Forester, visit kellybluebookkbb.com and autotrader.com. Whether you're a Forester family or an Outback family, your road to adventure starts in a Subaru. Get yours during the Subaru A Lot to Love event. Anderson Subaru, Highway 29, just north of Car City, Pensacola, online at andersonsubaru.com. Anderson's got a Subaru for you. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Auto Trader is a registered trademark and used with permission. Mom, can I have some ice cream? I've got a better idea. Who wants to help me make something fun and healthy instead? Me, me. Eating smarter is easy and delicious. Interested in receiving healthy recipes and a whole lot more in your email? Then register at healthiestweightfl.com and learn more about all the small steps that you can take on the way to living healthy. This message is sponsored by the Ounce of Prevention Fund of Florida, the Florida Department of Health, the Florida Association of Broadcasters, and this radio station. News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. Informative, local, dependable. I gotta go to college. I gotta. Oh, Danny, this is in Russia. Is this Russia? This is in Russia, is it? Nah, I don't think so. Rain, rain on my face. Hasn't stopped raining for days. My world is a flood. But slowly I become. One with the mud. But if I want to talk about two of the things that's going to be on the ballot that I need you to just think about. No one wants to pay more taxes, including me. But they have a homestead exemption that's going to go from twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars. That would I, uh, decrease the county coffers from. I'm just going to say approximately about six million dollars, right, Wes? Oh, man, yeah, that would be a lot. <laughs> $6 million. Uh, getting that, uh, as I understand it, it would take the uh, 75 to 100 range of your homestead exemption and allow that to be taken off of your valuation, which would cost the county about uh, $6 million in Escambia County. There's also local option sales tax renewal. That This is Mike Kohler, commissioner for District 2 at his town hall last week. The other thing is the local option sales tax. If that doesn't go through, how much is that going to hurt us? Yeah, $50 million. So a lot of the stuff that we're doing now will be diverted pretty much to just public safety and, you know, whatever we can do. Because if we were to lose Lost and the homestead went in, it would drastically affect what the county could do for you. And I'm not saying that to scare you. I just need you to understand that. And if you ask me to do more and pay me, you know, give me less money, it, that, that does not work out. I also thought it was kind of interesting that um, somebody had asked the question of, you know what, I'll have to get to this later because we just need to get news in here. Uh, David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines. David? President Biden says he's considering even more sanctions now against Moscow after the death of uh, Alexei Navalny. We already have sanctions moving and we're considering additional sanctions. 
Uh, the high-profile vocal critic of Vladimir Putin died in prison last week, and uh, President Biden tells reporters he's now willing to enact additional sanctions. Southern California bracing for possible flooding and uh, even mudslides. Large sections of Los Angeles County under a big flood watch due to, uh, through tomorrow due to a big storm expected to hit L.A. today. And Lyft CEO David Risher says the rideshare company's bottom line was boosted thanks to the Taylor Swift Eras Tour. Traffic to and from stadiums and hotels apparently was significantly up anywhere the pop star was in town. Uh, they're saying that uh, their business was boosted from 25 to 60 percent. A rising swift raises all boats or something? I don't know. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, if she does, that sounds um, about right. Absolutely. Pretty impressive, frankly. All right, David, thanks so much for the update. By the way, just a couple of things. On the local option sales tax in Escambia County, uh, that would be to renew it. And then, again, that's the $50 million consequence tag. The other one would be the ad valorem. That's going to be a vote on your proposition. Maybe it has to finish its way through uh, the, con- the Senate right now in Tallahassee is the one that's kind of holding that up. In Santa Rosa County, that one would be about a $3 million hit. And then if there's a half penny added, that'd be about uh, $15 or so million a year. Fox News. I'm Chris Foster. The mother of Russian anti-corruption activist Alexei Navalny with a direct appeal for President Vladimir Putin. Let me finally see my son. I demand that Alexei's body be immediately handed over so that I can bury him humanely. Ludmila Navalnaya translated there outside the Arctic Circle penal colony where her son died five days ago. His widow accuses Russian authorities of holding the body until traces of poison are gone. President Biden and the Democratic National Committee report $42 million in fundraising in January with $130 million cash on hand. He'll be in California for three days. It's the second time this month President Biden will try to rake in some campaign cash in the Golden State. The president is heading to San Francisco, and while California remains a reliably blue state, there are a number of House races key for Democrats taking back the chamber this November. Fox's Ryan Schmelz in Washington. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning, 731 at News Radio 92.3. I'm David Wayne. It is 39 degrees, mostly sunny this morning in Pensacola. Well, tragic news coming out of Minnesota yesterday. Two police officers and a paramedic were killed responding to a domestic violence call. That can be one of the most dangerous incidents that first responders are called to. Our friends over at Channel 3 talked with local law enforcement officials about precautions that they take. We try not to ever send one officer alone to a domestic. They always have backup. We always risk. Hey, let's slow down. Let's take an assessment of what they're actually having before entering the premises or making contact. And those are Sheriff's Bob Johnson from Santa Rosa County and Michael Adkinson of Walton County. Sheriff Johnson says deputies are interjecting themselves into into situations that may have been ongoing for years and expected to solve them quickly. The FBI says 43 officers have been killed responding to domestic violence calls between 2011 and 2020. And, of course, just over a year ago, Deputy Ray Hamilton was shot and killed responding to a domestic situation in Okaloosa County. Well, a hotel on Pensacola Beach, now one of the first commercial properties there to become solar-powered. The Surf and Sand Hotel recently installed over 300 solar panels on their roof, That offsets just over half of their annual energy usage. Staying at a hotel that is using potentially 50% renewable energy, clean energy, as opposed to fossil fuel energy, that's a huge gain to your personal footprint. Yes, it did take a big upfront investment, but 
As far as the rates directly being impacted, no, because like I said, we're going to see that return on investment and we're going to be able to just absorb that cost into our normal operations. Bethann Edwards is uh, the Innisfree Hotels Director of Sustainability. She talked with Channel 3 and Innisfree also says they're planning to expand their solar operations to some of their other properties here across our region. Now, the Burlington Coat Factory store over on North Davis Highway will be moving to a new location soon. According to the News Journal, the Burlington store is moving into the old Bed Bath & Beyond location at the Cordova Mall sometime this spring. Right now, there's no word on when that move will happen, but the journal is estimating within the next couple of months. Burlington purchased that lease at an auction after Bed Bath & Beyond closed last year. Negotiations for a new contract for Santa Rosa County's teachers are, uh, well, at a standstill now, the union declaring an impasse. Speaking with South Santa Rosa News, Union President David Godwin says their big sticking point is the money set aside for teachers from the state, which he says equates to about a 1.8% increase. They don't differentiate between the money that's actually coming from the superintendent and the money that's coming from the governor. They just they, they take credit for all of it and try to pass it off as their proposal. And at the recent bargaining session, the district held firm at a 4.1% increase. The union wants 4.8%. Well, one of East Hill's favorite restaurants is closed right now after a kitchen fire early on Monday. Morning Calverts in the Heights reportedly caught on fire Monday. Now, the good news is nobody was hurt. Also, the building is okay The bad news, uh, they got some cleaning to do and uh, also safety inspections, so they'll be closed for a few days. Calvert's posted on Facebook. They're hoping to reopen later this week. 735 at News Radio, and let's get a look at our traffic on the fives with Jake. Okay, this traffic report is brought to you by Barberry Plumbing. Highway 98 eastbound, getting out of Navarre into Winhaven Beach is really, really slow right now. I'm not seeing an accident reported, but I'm seeing major slowdown from the Navarre East Walmart all the way up to the McDonald's at Parish Boulevard. Uh, so if you're headed out of eastbound, uh, eastbound on uh, uh, Highway 98, getting out of Navarre this morning, it, it's going to take you a little while. Um, Mobile Highway getting by Beulah Elementary School, a little slow from the school zone there. Highway 29 South through Inslee seeing its normal morning slowdown. Highway 98 westbound getting into Tiger Point, a little slow, but really not anything major. Uh, If you see anything out there, you can always call or text our traffic tip line. That's 437-1620. And when it's time to call a plumber, call the best of the Bay winner, Barberry Plumbing at 477-8782. I'm Jake Walker with your traffic on the fives. A beautiful sunny day today with temperatures warming up near 65 degrees. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping near 47. We will continue to warm up as we go into Wednesday with mostly sunny skies, high near 68. Wednesday night, temperatures dropping near 56. We could reach the 70s by Thursday with partly cloudy skies, 71 degrees for your high Thursday, 61 for your low. This is Brooke Richardson for the First Morning Weather Center. Thank you very much, Brooke. It is 39 degrees in Pensacola. Right now we've got 38. Eight in Gulf Breeze and 36 in Milton. Our next news at eight, breaking news anytime it happens. I'm David Wayne for News Radio 923. I'm Nicole Murray with Your Money Now. Home Depot said quarter sales declined nearly 3% year over year, but it surpassed earnings and revenue expectations. Demand dipped throughout the year as consumers returned to more typical spending patterns and had less time for DIY home improvement projects. Revenue came in at nearly $35 billion, and as of Friday's close, shares of Home Depot were up nearly 5%. The home improvement retailer said it anticipates to open about a dozen new stores in 2024. 
Walmart has agreed to buy TV maker Vizio for $2.3 billion in cash. Walmart and its Sam's Club warehouse chain has been selling Vizio devices for years. But in buying the company, Walmart will have the potential to boost its ad business through Vizio's SmartCast operating system, which allows users to stream free ad-supported content on their TVs. Futures are slightly lower. The Dow Industrials lost 145 on Friday. That's your money now. The Pensacola Restore has your home goods and home repair needs at unbeatable prices. With discounted appliances, living and dining room furniture, mattresses, home improvement supplies, paint, flooring, plumbing, and more. They have everything you need to improve your home. 9th Avenue and Creighton Road in Pensacola. Open Tuesday through Saturday, 10 till 6. Every dollar spent helps to support Pensacola Habitat for Humanity's mission of providing affordable housing opportunities to Escambia and Santa Rosa counties. Join Travis Thompson with Climatech of Professional Air, an American standard heating and air conditioning independent customer care dealer in the Pensacola area on the Pensacola Expert Panel, Thursday at 9.30. Join in as Travis discusses how you can lower your energy bill and create a healthy, comfortable home. Join him Thursday morning at 9.30 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. Hey, Pensacola, get ready for a midday delight that'll have you hooked. Weekdays from 11 until 2 on News Radio Pensacola. Tune in to the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins are the dynamic trio that'll keep you entertained, informed, and laughing out loud during your lunch break. They dish out the hottest topics, bring you the latest news, and deliver their unique blend of humor and insight that'll have you coming back for more. It's the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins show on News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. Good morning, 739 here on News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. This morning we've got Sheriff Chip Simmons from Scambia County here in studio with us. Sheriff, welcome back. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm uh, um, I'm all better. Everybody in my house is better. <laughs> so that's good news. Uh, we had a couple of incidents over the weekend. Uh, Crystal Lake Apartments, there was a shots fired call? Uh, yeah, we had a couple of reports on the 17th. Um, Crystal Lake Apartments, there was a, a report that someone had fired two, uh, some rounds, I guess I should say, at two victims. Um, they reported to us a guy was supposed to have brandished a firearm and fired several shots at them. Uh, we located him in an apartment and took him into custody without incident. So that was pretty uh, not eventful after that. Um, we also had a report of a carjacking uh, in a pursuit off of Glenwood Avenue. Uh, we got a report that an individual had um, uh, pulled out a weapon and um, stole a car. So we saw the car. Luckily, our deputies out there are doing a great job. They saw the car. They tried to make a traffic stop. The guy tried to flee, but we were able to bump him a little bit and stop him, and we ended up recovering a black Glock replica pellet gun, um, and the bad guy was was uh, was arrested. Like an so, airsoft or something like that? I, I apparently, one looked enough yeah, real. Yeah, they do someone look gave up very the car, realistic. Yeah. They can, and they can even you know, function if you shoot them. They, I mean, it, it's not a bullet, obviously, but the, you know, the slide can recoil and everything. So, Well, here's the thing. You're, you're, you're pretending like it's a real gun. People are going to think it's a real gun. Yep. And, and you know, if someone pulls a replica gun at me, I'm not going to have time to sit there and wait 
excuse me, that's no, not real. I, I don't, we don't have time for that. Right. Um, we have time to defend ourselves. Did, in that situation, uh, I mean, do, you, do we know where the carjacking began? Like, was it at a gas station or at a residential parking, like a driveway, a garage, a street? A, do we, did, it, did it give the, like, how the incident began? Well, we, we got an address, um, 2000 block of Glenwood Avenue. So okay. I assume it's right outside of their, of their okay. home or their right. residence. Well, that's, I mean, scary all around, that kind of stuff. Um, you also had a uh, case where you were called to help arrest somebody who was a, uh, what, a homicide suspect out of Mississippi. Is that right? Yeah, over the last couple of days, we've been working with Mississippi authorities. I think Stone County in Mississippi, um, they they had reason to believe that there was a homicide suspect um, from their from their jurisdiction in Escambia County, particularly on the west side, Perdido area. So they gave us the information. Our deputies again for days were were on the lookout for this vehicle. We finally saw the vehicle uh, parked at a, a a residence on the west side. I'm, I don't have the exact address, but it was in the Perdido area. Um, so we so we surrounded the house. And we did what you see on TV. We use bullhorns and, you know, you're surrounded, come out with your hands up. And he did. So we were able to arrest this Good uh, when it works. suspected murderer. And he's in Scammy County Jail uh, if he hasn't already made his way over back to uh, to Mississippi to face those charges. So I'm not sure why you think you're safe in Scammy County. Um, that never works out well for you. I think we <laughs> talked about that. Some yeah. of the people that flee and they, they end up in Pensacola or Scammy County and, and they always go to jail. Pensacola has a long history of finding the wrong person. Or the right person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying, like, in a good way. Like, you know, we have that history. Um, wanted to ask you about a couple of things that have been in the news over the week. Um, one is, I know this horrible story out of Minnesota where you had two officers and a, a paramedic EMT, uh, I think EMT actually, responding to a domestic violence call, and the person shoots at them, and they get, they get in a gunfight, and they get killed. It's a, It's horrendous but i don't know how many times you and i and you know sheriff johnson and uh, mike wood from pbd have talked about that you know the, the two scariest unknown circumstances are the traffic stop and the domestic violence call yeah and and they're almost impossible to really deal with honestly without some risk because when you go to the case that you're talking about up there in uh, in minnesota they, they responded to a domestic call as i understand it um, and then the guy just opens up, opens fire on them. And then the, the paramedic or the EMT was trying to help and they open fire on him. Um, you know, you're, you're, you have to respond to a house. You have to actually get out of your car and go to the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's just a, a difficult job. I think, I think that it kind of brings to light how dangerous this job is and, and, and how much we, we appreciate those who are still willing to do the job that, that, that they respond to that call because anyone, any call we go to can be like that. Right. And all that, that, um, there are calls that we go on that sound, you know, there might be, the person might be armed with a gun. So we kind of know to be a little more careful. Uh, but not every call we do, do we have information about the mental makeup or the, the intent of, of the, the suspect or the, or the um, you know, whether he has a weapon or she has a weapon or not. Uh, there are times when we get a call, and like you said, maybe a traffic stop, maybe just a call for service, that we end up um, engaging gunfire with, with an individual that tries to kill us. Um, you know, our hearts go out to the, to the, to the, the officers up there and, the, and to the – uh, the paramedic up there, um, you know, I think they, they exchanged gunfire and they end up killing the bad guy. Um, but but again, it doesn't doesn't bring a life back. No, and it's you know, if you just kind of think through the parameters of these circumstances, let's say it's just what you might call an ordinary domestic violence case. You know, a man and a woman fighting. Okay, they're agitated, they're emotional, they might have been drinking. You know, they've been in a kind of a frenzied state, which is what led to the probably the neighbors calling or they called nine one one, whatever. You show up and. Ideally, your role is to de-escalate, peacemake, help 
the situation resolve. But at the same time, you know, if somebody's got anger in their heart and, you know, murder on their mind and they're about to do something awful, they could just easily turn that against you or whatever. I mean, it's, you never know, right, what you're going to what you're going to come up against. Well, I mean, there are ambush scenarios that, yeah. that we hear about, and not all the time, but we do hear about them too frequently. Um, where, again, you don't know the mental makeup. You, you don't know what took place. You don't know if this is the second, third time. You don't know if this individual is suicidal. You don't know if this individual is is is, is, un, is thinking that they're going to go to jail forever, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so they have nothing to lose. We don't know all that information in most cases, um, and, and but we still have to go. Right. Um, and they're, they're still out there every day, um, you know, do, doing what we need them to do, and that's protecting our, our community. And, and I, again, I, I'm thankful every day. Absolutely. We're talking to Sheriff Chip Simmons, uh, 745 here on News Radio 923. Let's get a quick traffic break from Jake. Jake? Okay, we are seeing some slowdowns this morning. Our big one, Highway 98 eastbound, getting out of Navarre into Winhaven Beach. We're seeing slowdowns all the way from the Navarre East Walmart all the way up to the McDonald's at Parish Boulevard. Very, very slow getting out of Navarre this morning. Also getting on to Scenic Highway from Highway uh, 90, we are seeing some slowdown there. I-10 eastbound at Pine Forest is seeing our normal congestion. Mobile Highway getting by Beulah Elementary with the school zone there. Also Highway 29 through Inslee southbound and Highway 98 getting into Tiger Point, seeing some slowdowns. Uh, Nothing major, no major accidents reported by FHP. If you do see anything out there, 437-1620. I'm Jake Walker, Traffic on the Fives. Thanks so much, Jake. Back to uh, Sheriff Chip Simmons. Uh, Sheriff, it's been in the news the last few days that the uh, Tallahassee legislature is working on another measure to protect law enforcement officers from interference, this 14-foot rule that um, anybody who is uh, on the scene of a crime or an investigation or a patrol stop or whatever would have to stay back 14 feet. Now, 14 feet is a weird number. I don't know exactly. I mean, you know, it's it, was that 13 and a half? Is that 15? I don't know. But the principle of the thing, I assume you support. I do. I do. I And I've been in situations where people have not just surrounded us, but but started to to converge upon us whenever we're trying to make an arrest. And I, I think it's important to give the the men and women that are doing this job a, a you know a chance and opportunity to do the job without having some sort of interference. Uh, 14 foot. I don't know why 14 foot. It's it's not that far, really. Um, I, I, I don't have a problem with people you know, watching. I don't have a problem with, with people mm-hmm. taking pictures. I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Which, uh, which I, by the way, is protected. I mean, it, you're right. you completely allowed to watch, record. Yeah. If it's We're recording, too. Right, so, you're recording, too. You know, right. We have our own. So, and, and it's public record, so you can, you can record. I have no problems with that at all. But I do think that there are times when... Um, when, when the, the people that are doing the job need a little bit of space. And, and some again, they may be fighting an individual in, mm-hmm. and, and you're not confined to a one or two foot area. So there's, you know, my hope is that people would actually help. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that, that, that's not that's not always the case. That, the, which, by the way, is just a good note. If you are ever, you know, it's like if you're ever around an incident, instead of getting out your phone and recording it, why don't you help the officer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They yeah. want is help. There, is there a way them, you right? can, you know, because yeah. a lot of times they know the individual that's there. I just got a text speaking I got about the fake gun. Um, I, 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 if it has like a big orange bulb on the front of it, which then that's they do different. not. You might readily, right. you might really recognize that. Um, so I'll just tell you if if it doesn't and you pretend like it's a real gun. Um, you know, you bring a fake gun to me when I'm in my car, mm-hmm. uh, the blood you shed will be real. That's, yeah. that's all I can tell you. I, I, I Totally. I mean, I understand and agree. Last thing I wanted to ask you about, just because we sometimes talk about, we, in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about these pit maneuvers, damage to cars, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, pit maneuvers are not the only thing that damage your Tahoes, is, I understand. We have, you know, in, in deer season, I guess, as my hunter <laughs> friends would say, um, you know, we, we do a lot of traveling in rural areas, and we probably get hit by deer 
or hit deer probably three times a month during during this, wow. during this season. We had one last night. This is our, our passenger side. We had one last week that I think we, we actually hit. Um, so it, it happens uh, happens quite a bit. And, and some of these deer are pretty big. Yeah. I don't want to tell my hunt friends where they're at, but, <laughs> but there's, some, there's some big deer out there. They might that, go Tahoe poaching with the sheriff's yeah, office. Is that, that what you're that telling are, me? That are jaywalking. And, and, they, you know, and, and they, they leap and all that sort of thing. I'm not a big hunter myself. But um, anyways, we have about three a month. Three a uh, month. This, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's probably major damage and nobody gets hurt most of the time, which is good. But still, that's, I mean, that's a big deal, right? You got to repair those vehicles. They're out of service. Yeah, yeah, like I said, we you know we got bumpers that that um, you know on in, in supply, so we can we can fix them pretty <laughs> in quick. supply. Oh, I got a pit maneuver. I, I got a note in here from somebody says uh, last week my wife and five year old son saw Sheriff Simmons and stopped to say hello. Sheriff Simmons gave my son a sheriff's coin, and my son was thrilled. <laughs> he even thought the coin was show and tell his school. Uh, thank you, Sheriff, for going out of your way to connect with our community. We're so grateful, you and Scamby County deputies. You know what it, it is. I'm so honored to be the sheriff of Scamby County, and when we go out. And we see people, and they and they engage with us, um, especially the children. The children mm-hmm. are, are typically they you know they they they're in awe of someone in uniform, policeman, firefighter, military individual, um, and and talk radio host, talk yeah yeah yeah. Well, I mean the uniform, uniform is but, what really um, gets them. You know, yeah. You're not wearing shorts. No, so not. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know it's just it's just so uh, heartwarming to see someone that that actually appreciates what you do and 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 potentially wants to be one you know one of them with you. So right. it's. I, I remember that we were at Waffle House. Uh, can't go better than Waffle House and and engaging with our with our with our kids. And um, you know, I happened to have a challenge coin with me, so I gave it to him. And I, That's cool. I obviously it was a, it was a great day. Oh, great morning. I, I did have one other thing I forgot I was going to ask you about. Uh, I think it's Louisiana. The governor there has declared a law enforcement shortage, state of emergency. That they are short. God, I think the number is like twenty thousand cops or something like that. And I mean, it's some ridiculous number um, that they are short. Um, and I would have thought. Kind of the southeast states are the ones who are doing well because we're typically pro right. law enforcement. But that that kind of caught me by surprise because it's not like New York or Illinois or California or something like that. Um, have you heard anything about that? Or because you know, here that's, we're that's doing we're doing me. fine. I mean, here in Florida, right? Because yeah, we're we're, we're, we're actually we're doing really pro. good. It's Cameron County um, Sheriff's Office. We're doing really well. Um, as far as I've heard about Louisiana, I'm surprised. I wonder if it's the New Orleans area. Um, you know, instead of just the whole state, is it state police? I was, it was, uh, yeah, it was the governor for the whole state. And I was trying to just look it up cause it was in, I was going off of memory here trying mm-hmm. to get you that number better, but, um, uh, not pulling it up fast enough. Hold on just a second. I got it right here. Yeah. Uh, they have, this is a whole 1800. Sorry. I was way off my number. 1800 statewide deputy shortage that they're down across the state. Uh, and the governor, Jeff Landry signed an executive order declaring a state of emergency due to police officer shortage. Oh, I wonder what that does. What's, yeah, what does that do? It's real bad. I mean, here, here you I, go. Why don't you sign the check and pay them more? And uh, instead of your, and I don't know what Ouch. it says. Maybe it says something like that. So yeah, I'll, no, I'll be fair I, but about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just basically a way of raising people's awareness to the problem. But I'm with you. How? What is that? You know, pay raises would be nice, right? Well, and and right, that's why yeah. we've been. You know, I've been I've been fortunate to have a, a working relationship with our board of county commissioners and getting pay raises right. over the last three years. Um, so yeah, I, I I think that that you need to understand and appreciate the work they do and, and pay them accordingly. Absolutely. Sheriff Chip Simmons, Escambia County Sheriff, uh, you said you're humbled and proud to have uh, Escambia County to be the sheriff of. We're proud to have you as sheriff, sir. So thank you so much for the time. We'll talk to you again next week. You bet. Thanks. 752 on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay.
For a short month, February sure has a lot going on. The big game, Mardi Gras, Valentine's, and President's Day, to name a few. So, what else can we celebrate? How about a very low interest rate and $500 cash when you finance a 2024 Volkswagen at Feedmore Imports? That's right. Feedmore Imports now offers 1.9% financing for 48 months on all 2024 Tiguan and Taos models, plus $500 customer cash. The 2024 Tiguan S from 29101 and financing for 1.9% at 48 months. The 2024 Taos S from 24991 and 1.9% financing at 48 months. Plus the 2024 Volkswagen Jetta S now from 22481 with available financing of 1.9 at 48 months. These deals won't last long, so hurry to feed more imports. They're not in Car City, but at 106 New Warrington Road, Pensacola. Special APR rates and bonus cash for qualifying credit. UCI must take retail delivery by March 4th, 2024. See dealer for details. This is Pastor Carl Gallups of the Hicker Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida. Are you and your family looking for a church that when Sunday morning rolls around, you can say, oh good, it's time to go to church? Well, let me invite you to consider worshiping with us at Hicker Hammock Baptist Church, where multiplied hundreds of people say these very words every Sunday. We are doctrinally sound, featuring the exaltation of Jesus Christ and the clear contextual preaching of the Bible. The Bible is made relevant and exciting. You're convicted, challenged, encouraged, and uplifted at the same time. We have premier youth ministries, children's ministries, senior adult ministries, Bible studies, and missions outreach. We have a team of pastoral counselors offering guidance for your Christian and family life. You can find out everything you'd want to know about us on our huge and highly interactive website at hickoryhammockbaptist.org. Let me give you an open invitation to worship at Hickory Hammock Baptist Church this Sunday morning. And then the next Sunday, you'll say, oh good, it's time to go to church. I kid you not. Regular members and even first-time guests say it every single Sunday. Serving overseas was just the beginning. We might be home from war, but our mission continues in communities all across the country. It's why we're out there in times of peace and crisis, providing meals to the hungry and supplies to the sick. It's why we're giving strength to those who are too weak and bringing resources to those without them. Service doesn't stop when we're done serving. It's what makes us the VFW. Learn more at vfw.org. Pensacola right now with Joe and Austin. It's like headline news for radio. Every day, 4 to 7 on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. How about more beans, Mr. Tiger? I'd say you've had enough. I'd say you had enough. 7.55 on News Radio 92.3. Oh, is that what yeah. they mean by blazing saddles? Uh, Jake has got, <laughs> <laughs> Jake's got our traffic on the fives, oh, Jake. Oh, man. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I-10 eastbound at Pine Forest, seeing our normal morning congestion there. If you're getting onto Scenic Highway from Highway 90, it's a little uh, slow there getting onto Scenic. Also, Mobile Highway getting by Beulah Elementary, a little bit slow from the school zone there. Highway 98 westbound getting into Tiger Point, seeing that slowdown at the light at Avalon. Uh, but uh, our biggest slowdown is Highway 98 eastbound, getting out of Navarre this morning into Winhaven Beach, seeing slowdowns from the Navarre East Walmart all the way up to the McDonald's at Parish Boulevard. I'm not seeing an accident, just uh, just slow down from all the lights and uh, congestion this morning. If you see anything out there slowing you down, let me know.
210-437-1620. I'm Jake Walker with Traffic on the Fives. Thanks so much, Jake. You know, when you were a kid, your mom thought you were riding your bike around the block for eight hours, but in that time, you went five miles away, explored an abandoned house, jumped over some garage roofs, attempted a Ouija board, built a den in the woods, and made your own fire. <laughs> And then came home for dinner. That's what you did, right? <laughs> 757 has off Facebook. Uh, let's oh, see. David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines. David? You made the most of your day back then. That's what <laughs> yes. Uh, and that was a school night. <laughs> President Biden's great-great-grandfather apparently was pardoned by President Abraham Lincoln. This is according to some newly discovered documents in the National Archives. Biden's distant grandfather, Moses Robinette, apparently got into a knife fight with another Union Army civilian as the Civil War raged in 1864. Robinette was charged with attempted murder and was incarcerated near Florida. Three of his friends were Army officers who petitioned Lincoln directly to overturn the sentence, which he did. It's not clear if President Biden is aware of the pardon. Karen Curtis, Miami. Interesting piece of history there. Knife fight in the past. All right, go on. A Los Angeles woman now being detained in Russia after being accused of treason. Russian authorities allege the woman, who is a dual citizen of the U.S. and Russia, raised money in support of Ukraine and, quote, repeatedly took part in public actions in support of the Ukrainian regime. This is while she was in the U.S. The punishment uh, could be up to 20 years in prison. And apparently there was a big stripper rally in washington state yesterday as you say uh this was to show a support <laughs> like nobody can plan to go there now <laughs> the buffet was amazing oh stop it uh this was to yeah. show support for a bill in the legislature which would require the washington state liquor and cannabis board to create new rules for how employee and employees and customers can act and what workers can wear in their adult clubs the dancers are hoping that the rules will be changed to allow alcohol to be served which they believe somehow would uh, facilitate tippage. Yeah, it would increase the revenue yeah, they're able to think, make. You would yeah. think that would do. I don't meanwhile, know how that would work. Meanwhile, yeah. in Florida, we're working to make sure that nobody under the age of 21 can work in a strip club, which I kind of support. You know, if you yeah. can't be in it, you can't be around it. That's kind of the idea. Uh, David, thanks so much for the update. Uh, hey, did you see this story? John Oliver from HBO's Last Week Tonight, John Oliver, oh, yeah. is offering Clarence Thomas a million dollars a year to get off the Supreme Court. Whoa. And he says he'll throw in a $2.5 million bus as a, like, top-of-the-line incentive. It's good for 30 days. Um, it's a real offer. It's not illegal to offer somebody it's money not, to leave a not position. It's not, huh. not, he's not inciting right. any kind of illegality. And he's saying it's his own personal money, not HBO. Because um, I guess he's scared that Trump will win and then keep the seat, right? Listen on air at 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. News Radio 92.3, WNRP, Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.